Welcome to the podcast for an Embodied Life Festival, a week-long festival of online events exploring embodied approaches to living a more truthful, connected and pleasurable life. My name is Natalie Owen. I'm an embodied yoga teacher and coach, usually working in East London, but currently calling Zoom my online home. I've created an Embodied Life Festival to bring together some of the wonderful practitioners I know working within this field who offer interesting and creative approaches to living in a more embodied way. Today I'm chatting with Vanessa Joy, who is a yin yoga teacher, acupuncturist in training, as well as being one of my closest friends, ahead of her session to open the festival on Monday evening, Land Softly, Set Intention in Stillness. We discuss the role of yin yoga within Vanessa's own life, the powerful impact of intention setting within the stillness of a yin practice, and I was also excited to discuss with Vanessa the use of language in creating a more accessible and embodied experience. If you'd like to join Vanessa on Monday at 7pm, you can head to thisisnatalieowen.com forward slash festival to book your ticket. And if you have any questions for either Vanessa or I, you can find us on Instagram at thisisnatalieowen or at Vanessa Vinyasa. Enjoy the podcast. Hey babe, how are you? Good, how are you? (laughs) I'm all right, thank you. So this is my first podcast. I'm very excited that you're the first guest. Well done. (laughs) Um, so you're opening the festival on Monday night with um, what I know is going to be a beautiful session around um, kind of arriving into yin. We'll do a bit of journaling. There'll be some intention setting. I know it's going to be a lovely session because I've done it with you before. But um, for the benefits of people listening who might not have practiced with you before, um, do you want to maybe like chat through what you're going to do and um, maybe like a little bit about what you do in general and what you're kind of bringing from your work into the festival? Yeah, so, well, basically, my trajectory through yoga in the past sort of five or six years I've been teaching has gone from quite a sort of strictly dynamic or vinyasa-based background just progressively towards yin, which I feel is my true sort of nature. Yin, for me, sort of became an opportunity to be still in a world that just seems so chaotic, particularly in London. There's just, like, so much going on all the time. Yeah. I found even going to classes myself, um, I was just seeking an opportunity just to close the doors to everything and just be with my thoughts and have an opportunity to meditate and um, holding space for other people in my classes. So um, yin became more than just doing these sort of longer held postures. And if you haven't done yin before, we kind of come into lots of different passive postures on the floor Um, anywhere up to five minutes each. So it's a very, very slow moving practice. Um, And then I think that's also just a great time to drop in um, sort of greater points of perspective that we can reflect on. Like um, I'm studying Chinese medicine. So um, a lot of the philosophy or musings that I draw on are from these ancient traditions like yoga or or Chinese medicine. So um, there's just so much to work with. There is. Oh, sorry. Go for it. Now, just because I'm, I'm so familiar with your teaching, there's so much I want to um, jump in and add. But um, when I think one of the things I love most about your yin classes is that kind of other layer of of thought, or you kind of refer to as rumination, like the possibility, like the um, having the space to be able to explore an idea whilst in stillness. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Do, do you have any sense of what you might be exploring for the session on Monday night? Is there any, have you had kind of any ideas that have come out already? Well, so, I mean, for everyone, I think what they what they arrive at in terms of an intention is obviously going to be really 
really different. And I feel like moving through lockdown and this really strange time that we're navigating um, has really brought to the attention the fact that we're all having very, very different experiences. So I'm sure as we arrive at the festival for the first Monday night session, we're all going to be there for totally different reasons. And mm. I want to uh, lead the or open the practice with some journaling. So um, maybe a lot of people aren't really sure why why they've come or, or what they want to connect with or what they want to invite in. So um, like digging a little bit deeper, I think there's something so cathartic about just putting pen to paper and oh, yeah. seeing what comes yeah. out. I know you feel the same because you do so many amazing journaling workshops. Yeah, it's always just, um, it always amazes me sometimes, um, even, you know, within things that I'm working with and I'm teaching and I'm conscious of still put pen to paper and something new comes out. Mm. Um, in both times I've, so I've done this workshop that Vanessa's running, I've done it twice. And um, both times really significant, um, significant intentions were set for like the following six months of my life that, you know, they're still present in how I'm making my decisions now on like a, a daily or weekly basis. So it really is so powerful. And um, I particularly love the way in this session that you're going to combine journaling and that opportunity to kind of self-explore and for things to pop out and these intentions to pop out with then a period in stillness afterwards to let it land because mm. sometimes I find with them um, when you if you're just journaling you know you can kind of write in your diary you can you know go through some prompts you have that awareness in the mind and then you carry on with your day or the rest of your life um, and it doesn't always have that chance to land in quite the same way mm. do you find that well, yeah, and I, I think what's important with me for me is um, creating like a deeper connection with that intention that just internalizing mm. it and just just thinking about it like once or twice and maybe coming up with a word, but actually creating a stronger and a deep connection with that thing that you're trying to call in because it can manifest in so many ways or it can have so many different, um, you know, say if you're calling in, joy like you know you might think of it in a really two-dimensional two sense but it can come up in like so many different ways in your life and such a variation or spectrum within that singular experience so um yeah just like having the opportunity to like contemplate that within the yin practice and really almost like you're shouting with your whole being just like yes I'm ready for this <laughs> thing you know yeah, and I, I love that idea of um, like moving beyond the two-dimensional into the three-dimensional. I think that, for me, is the crux of an embodiment practice. Mm. When it goes from being an idea to an experience, like you said, like if joy is something that you're working with, not just kind of thinking about that as a word and as a, an idea, but to take some time to like, think about what does joy feel like in the body. I remember um, in one of your sessions, you, asked, you kind of asked what colour I think joy was one of the words that came up for me, I think. Or maybe it was when I was, like, I had fun come up as a word and you asked about the colour and this colour yellow, like, erupted from somewhere. And I remember for, like, a few months afterwards, I kept buying yellow things. Mm. You know, it, it, I, I love the idea of it. It's something, something two-dimensional coming to life. Yes. Coming yeah. more embodied. Um, I also wanted to, um, to touch on um, the role of language, because I think um, for people who do know your teaching, they, everyone um, kind of enjoys your classes. Um, they'll always say, oh, I love your voice. I love her use of language. Um, it's such a wonderful talent that you have to transform these ideas into something more embodied. 
via the use of language. So I was just kind of wanted to, that's not even a, a, like a fully formed question, but I, I'd be interested to just hear your thoughts on how, on what you think about the role of language within, um, within an embodied experience or within a, the context of a yin practice or, mm. yeah. T tell me about language within the context um, of what you do. Well, thank you. I, um, I think it's something that's kind of like, um, sprung out quite spontaneously from my teaching and I've always done a bit of writing just of my own whether it be journaling or just like writing small pieces I've always loved the written word mm. but I think um, what can be really interesting within a class is once I started teaching and becoming familiar with holding space for people is just using the like nuance of words and language can like utterly change the atmosphere in a room. And when you become more acclimatized to like really like containing the energy of a group of people and you, you might just turn a phrase slightly differently or maybe use like different intonation or um, even like just, yeah, the tone of your voice and the way that you articulate it. I feel like it can, you can really um, palpably see it land with people. And um, I just find that really fun. I just find it a really like fun part of the job. Um, so I think it, it's just um, sort of languaging's just popped up really naturally, but I think it's just like a joy to play around with in classes. It what's keep me inspired and um, it feels like it's like the creative component of what I do is, you know, kind of we're repackaging ancient traditions. And I always try to convey in my classes that actually there's nothing, um, there's nothing that is inaccessible about these practices. They're really, really available. Um, but sometimes I think the way that they can be taught make them feel like they're out of reach or they're for people that might be, you know, practicing for 10 years. But if we strip all that away, we just have some really simple core techniques, whether that's the way that we're moving or the way that we're breathing or the way that we're regulating our mind and our fluctuation of thoughts. Um, but what can make that really interesting is like how how you present that to people and how you kind of um you know what what language you use to describe that you know can be really creative so um, yeah I hope it inspires people I mean it's definitely yes it's definitely inspired me when I've um you know been part of your class and it's also you know a big part of what I do and I think why we've ended up working a lot together that, that it's language is a common theme when we run sessions together, we're, we're kind of, we're consciously, won't we sometimes kind of check in on the wording that we're using and, and the ideas. And I, I, um, I really love that idea of that the way we're using language, there's a creative element in how we're using language as teachers now to present these practices in the context of modern life and how people are living their lives now. Mm. Cause you're right. Sometimes it can, it, it can, when maybe practices that are a bit more traditional, it can feel, um, a little bit exclusive if you don't know the Sanskrit or you, you know, aren't familiar with certain ways of, of terming things. Mm. And then that's very disembodying, isn't it? Because you're not experiencing it within the context of your own, your own life experience. Um, yeah, we all have to find these things like in our own way. And I think that's probably a large part of what, you know, connects students to their teachers is they're finding someone that, you know, is, packaging these traditions or, or what they want to be taught in the way that they can find accessible and relatable 
yeah I mean I think as as a teacher just like trying to be just relatable is really important and um you know taking some of the some of the fluff away but still keeping it um (laughs) yeah definitely um well lovely that I've really enjoyed that chat I mean we have many 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 chats about all these things but I've really enjoyed that in a slightly different way today I can't wait to keep it festival I know um I so if you'd like to join Vanessa on um she's starting the festival on Monday night the session's at 7 p.m that's Monday the 28th of June check me calendar 29th of June um but it will be on demand until the 12th of July so if you're not around on Monday but you're still keen to join the festival and do Vanessa's session um you can grab yourself a ticket and that'll be available until the end the Sunday of the following week um thank you Vanessa thank you Nat Ah, that was lovely. Thanks so much to Vanessa for joining me. I hope that's given you a bit of flavour for what to expect from Monday night and the festival as a whole. Honestly, I am so excited myself as a practitioner to be taking part. All of the facilitators are so creative and talented and passionate about what they do. I know there are going to be some real moments of magic within this week. The festival runs Monday the 29th of June to Sunday the 5th of July and all sessions are available on demand until Sunday the 12th of July. So if you're not able to join something next week live and you'd really like to see it, you can you've still got a week or so to do it. Tickets are a sliding scale, pay what you can, 20 to 40 pounds, and that ticket includes access to all the sessions. You can book your ticket at thisisnatalieowen.com forward slash festival. And there's a free digital goodie bag for the first 30 tickets. And at the moment, there are still some of those left. So if you're thinking of coming, book soon if you can. If you'd like to follow Vanessa, you can do so at Vanessa Vinyasa on Instagram, or you can find her vanessajoyyoga.com for more info on her classes. Coming up on the next few episodes of the podcast, I'll be chatting to Alice Jackson, where we dive into the practice of pleasure and Radha Mystery on the role of loving self-acceptance on the journey of healing. 